You're listening to Swipe East, Swipe West, where we dive into the dating differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley Davis. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Swipe East, Swipe West, the dating podcast focusing on differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley, and you can find us on Instagram at Swipe East, Swipe West. To anyone that's new, thanks for joining, and for all of our current listeners, thanks for coming back. So last week, we had Robin joining us talking about living and dating in the Scottsdale area, focusing on Scottsdale and Phoenix and what that was like. Um, So loved having her on there. And she reached out to me that got some mixed reviews, actually. Some guys reached out that they enjoyed the episode and uh, also got some unfollowers on Instagram, which honestly, to me, just means that um, she spoke the truth and maybe some people were salty about it. So that's all I have to say about that. One thing I do want to call out before we dive into this week is I know we talked a lot about men kind of, you know, approaching us and taking the lead on that episode. Um, but I do want to call out, at least during my t- experience there, which again was mostly in the vortex, you know, very touristy area, I did have to take the lead on approaching a lot of men there, um, like going up to their table, talking to them. Um, I did have, you know, decent amount of success getting numbers and everything. Um, and there were a couple times where guys approached me and honestly were a little bit awkward about it, like had said they saw me at the pool that day, pointed to their table, and then that was kind of the end of it. And a lot of times they already had girls over there. So, you know, I wasn't going to approach their table when they already had a bunch of girls and deal with, you know, a potential caddy situation, territorial, especially since a lot of people are kind of in party vacation mode. So I think, you know, yes, the norm is for men to approach women, but there's definitely no harm in women approaching men, especially if you're attracted to someone. And I think a lot of times guys might not approach you because they're nervous and don't know what to say, um, especially if you don't fit that that mold that we were um, talking about on last week's episode. Anyways, I don't really have any life updates to share, um, especially because I'm still recovering from my foot surgery. Um, I did go to my friend's wedding on the East Coast in Cape Cod, um, got some wheelchair service at the airport and, you know, just celebrated her while sitting down. Got hit on by um, a 70-year-old probably man at a bar in Provincetown. Probably saw that I could not escape him <laughs> if I wanted to. I don't know. But yep, that's uh, that's pretty much what's going on with me right now. So we can dive into this week's episode, which I'm super stoked about because we are going to be talking about Las Vegas. And I absolutely love Vegas. It's one of my favorite places to go. I have only had one bad experience with Vegas and it was the first time I ever went and I was there for literally 36 hours. Went in February when it was really, really cold and it was not pool season and I've come to learn that I basically love going to Vegas more so for the pool parties and less for the clubs, just my own personal self. And I also went and saw Britney Spears, hashtag free Britney. So yeah, when I went, it was cold, you know, couldn't go to the pools. I also was harassed by a lot of men because I was wearing a cutout dress and was called um, a slut a lot. So didn't make it to the clubs because I was insecure about that. So that was not fun. But after that, I've pretty much never had a bad time. I feel like Vegas has something for everyone there for the most part. Um, You know, you have shows, you have gambling, there's good food. Um, You know, there's the clubs, like I said, pool parties, there's nightclubs, there's music festivals, there's hiking. Um, they just opened Area 15, which is, you know, this really cool, like interactive installation as well. So 
I always pretty much aside from that one time have had an amazing time there. But I was really interested to hear what it's like living in Vegas because every time I've gone, I've pretty much only met tourists, you know, similar to Scottsdale kind of, you know, there for a good time, bachelor, bachelorette party. And this most recent time I went, which we're going to talk about on this episode, I had more of a local experience because it was during COVID. The strip was shut down. So we were going to a lot of um, more local spots like off the strip um, in downtown Vegas. And also what was interesting for me is all the times before I'd gone to Vegas, I'd come from Philly. And this time I was coming obviously from LA and was meeting a lot more people from the LA area. You know, I met some people from the East Coast, but a lot of them were coming from the West Coast just because of how close it is. So I found that um, there was a lot less of a commitment when I was meeting guys for them to come and like see me that night or hang out because they could just see me at home. So I was matching with people, talking to people, um, and maybe, you know, there wasn't as much of an urgency for me to hang out with them because they could just get my number. And if I wanted to see them in LA, which again, it's LA, so it didn't happen. I could, whereas all the times before, like that wasn't going to happen. Though there was one time that I went and matched with some guys from Wisconsin. Um, They invited me to their table. Me and my friends went to the table, hung out with them, um, you know, just had a time, like nothing really happened outside of just hanging out at their table for the day. And then actually when I moved to LA, I ran into them. uh, One of them, um, you know, this is years later out in Venice. He just happened to be at the bar I was at on vacation and we reconnected that way. So you never know what's going to happen in Vegas. And sometimes it does leave Vegas, which we're also going to talk about today. So that slogan, um, I would argue, is incorrect. Anyways, um, super excited to talk about it today. Um, We have a local and a transplant um, that we're both in Vegas. And um, I think something else that we're going to learn, too, is that it's not just about dating in Vegas. There's a lot more that goes into it as far as friend groups and being on the strip, off the strip. So we're going to talk about that today, too. So let's dive in. Okay, and this week I have my friends Holly and Jill here. Thank you both for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about dating in Vegas. Um, So I first started learning about that um, through Holly, who lives now in Long Beach. Um, And she and Jill both knew each other in Vegas. So I know, Holly, you're a transplant out in Vegas, but Jill is born and raised there. So I guess, Holly, starting with you, like what brought you out to Vegas? Um, So I'm originally from the Midwest and I moved to Vegas for a job. Um, I lived there for about three years. Yeah. And then Jill, I know that your roots are out east Mm -hmm. in Jersey. Yeah. But what was it like for you growing up in Vegas? I know that's I know a lot. I mean, I've never met anyone from Vegas. I've just gone out there for the strip, but I imagine it might, you know, it's very different than visiting there, obviously. It definitely is. It's definitely one of those things where you only go to the quote unquote places to visit if you have friends in from out of town because you avoid certain touristy places like the plague if you can. But I would say that I was fortunate in that I didn't really know the strip existed until I was of age to know the strip existed. But, you know, fast forward to now, it's a lot more difficult to, you know, keep kids from that. I have a nine year old, and so it's really hard to keep her eyes from some of the billboards and things you see that I know I didn't notice when I was her age. So yeah, I always wondered, like, even as an adult going to Vegas, when I saw kids, like why you would bring them there um, in general, just because (laughs) it's true. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I mean, obviously, if you live there, you live there. But I, I personally, I can't imagine like, 
for myself, knowing what I like to do, like I like to go out. And even if I, you know, wasn't trying to party, like just the, you know, seeing what you're seeing there, like, I don't know, to your point, like, it's hard to shield like a child from from that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I went to my grandma's 71st birthday at a restaurant, not on the strip. And there was a table of girls that were in very scantily clad bikinis and just some sheer cover-ups sitting at dinner. So it's not like I could, you know, pass by and she, you wouldn't see that. You would definitely see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. And that's not on the strip. That's just, and that's not you know. on the strip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a fun, interesting dynamic in, in Vegas for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then Holly and Jill. So how did you guys both meet, you know, a transplant and a local? How did you both connect um, once Holly moved out there? Well, Jill and I met through a kickball league. Uh, when I first moved to Vegas, I knew zero people. Uh, didn't move there for any person or with any person. I moved there for a job. Shortly after I made the decision to move, I realized that I was going to need to join some social clubs if I wanted to like get out of the house and not be a hermit. So I really lucked out because I decided I wanted to play kickball and I joined a kickball league that was super fun. Everybody was like friends. We all became friends on our like team. We were a friend, like a group of players that were all joining singly, like one person joining a random team and every, the whole team was made up of random people. And then I just joined in on that like random group. Um, like a season or two later. Yeah. Luck of the draw that, you know, you, you don't know maybe what roster you're going to get signed up with if you don't sign up with a specific group of friends. And we all got really lucky that season that everyone that was put together, we just kind of gelled both on the field and then would hang out socially too. Yeah. And I would say a good majority of our team was transplants as well. So I felt very at home being like, I, I don't live here. I moved here by myself and like several other people on the team were in the same boat as I was. So I don't know. It was just like, it felt like a a piece of home to have somebody going through all these new experiences with me. And Jill is one of those people that's open to meeting new people all the time. And so that's how we got close really quick. Um, and I feel like Vegas is one of those places that's like, there's a lot of transplants in Vegas. Yes, definitely. So. Yeah, making connections there is is something that you have to like be maybe strategic about, um, but have to be aware that your friends could come and go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I feel like if you're joining a team, and to your point, you're all alone joining the team versus like groups of friends joining the team. It's hard to have like clicks where maybe you joined by yourself and you're not really able to feel like you're part of the team because you can't join in on the click. So it's easier in that sense to like make those friends and then become like a friends in, in that instance, in your particular case, like with that team as well, on top of all being most of you or majority of you guys being transplants too. Yeah. I think like, I feel like, and Jill, you can probably speak way more to this than I can. I feel like, like the friends group thing is like the closest thing that Las Vegans get to like that sense of community. Definitely. And I mean, that league in particular, it's an organization and they run and kind of organize themselves as social sports. So the the focus isn't necessarily the kickball, but it's the making the friends and they try to really drive that home. There may be, you know, pre-COVID, there may be um, a designated league bar that all the players will go to after so that you can mingle and get to know each other and, you know, do things that way 
And so that helps too, as far as that part. But that definitely helps um, with some alcohol. Uh, <laughs> Throw some alcohol in it and <laughs> yeah. see what happens. Yes. Exactly. But Holly, going back to um, something you said, so um, that you, you felt like you had to like join like a sport league or, or something to make friends. Like, why did you feel that way once you got there? Was it, was it difficult outside of that to like make uh, meet people and make friends? I think I kind of had no idea how to make friends there because if I would go out, I would be with like my random roommate at the time. I met somebody once I met there and became roommates with him because he was looking for a roommate. Um, I would go out with my random roommate and we would meet people like when we were out at the bars and stuff. I would exchange numbers. I would get really excited about like my new friend and then I would never hear from them again. I would literally, and and I ran into that weekend after weekend after weekend, and I just didn't make friends. So I felt like, okay, I got to do something else. Um, I think like probably three or four months passed before I joined this kickball league. And I was like, I got to do something. At least if I join this kickball league, I'm, you know, running around a bit, like doing a, like a an excuse of a workout um, on a Friday night and then I'll go to the bar afterwards. At least there'll be people around me. They can't just like shun me if I'm with a team. So I felt like I was like, that's how I'll make friends. But yeah, I ran into a lot of like dead ends in, in making friends. To Holly's credit. Yeah, she's super friendly, super outgoing, but there's just kind of this weird culture here of you kind of keep to yourself and you only get to know someone if you meet them through a friend because you might meet someone at a bar or at a club, although stay away from the clubs if you can, but um, you know, you might meet <laughs> you never make real friends at a club. You never make exactly, you never make real friends and you know, yeah, you might exchange numbers, but it's either you've met someone who you know, just moved here or is only visiting anything that, you know, they could be coming and going, but also kind of this underlying question of what is someone's true intention. So it's not easy to make friends going out unless you're meeting people through people. And so I think kickball kind of added that dynamic in there is that you were all already there for the same purpose versus Mm -hmm. trying to meet people through that one person or a couple people. And then it's, you know, little by little, your network expands. That's interesting because that's actually how I felt when I moved from Philly to LA. Because in Philly, I was like, you know, meeting people through work, meeting people at bars, like friends through friends. And then I moved to LA and I, same thing as you, Holly, I would go to bars and like meet girls in the bathroom line and get their number, text them, Mm -hmm. ghosted. Um, You know, and the only way I really feel like I met people was friends of friends, Bumble BFF, meetup groups. And we had to have some sort of like common connection or even mm-hmm. like roller skating. Okay, I roller skate, you roller skate. We have something in common. So now we can connect. So it's, it sounds very similar to that. Yeah. I also had two other kind of friend circles in Vegas that I was fortunate to be a part of. Um, I joined like the climbing community, which if for those of you who don't know much about what people do in Vegas, there is a huge climbing community, uh, rock climbing community in Vegas. Um, as it's some of the best rock climbing in the country. So people from all over the world go to Las Vegas and the mountains outside of Vegas for the sport. And I joined a climbing gym, made friends there. And I also had a community of coworkers who I worked with. And a lot of the people at my job 
were transplants. So they were all kind of in a similar boat as I was in like learning the new city and trying to get to know new places. So I kind of had a couple of pools to go from, but like, I will say, I think that was really special and necessary for me to like come out of my shell and feel like I had a home there. Yeah. You definitely have to work at it. Um, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, like if I didn't have like some big common interest with somebody, I would never see them again. And that goes for dudes. Like uh, if I didn't, if I met a dude randomly at a bar, um, it would be all cute and fun and adorable. But like I would never expect to hear from them. It became it became such a thing that I was like, yeah, you don't meet dudes at a bar. You have to become part of a club or an organization if you're going to meet a dude. And that's even when they knew that you lived there. Like, I'm not a tourist. I'm living here. Oh, yeah. Same same situation. Yeah, like, I'd be like, oh, my God, we're kind of like neighbors. I live in this neighborhood. You live in that neighborhood. That's so cool. And they're like, oh, is this your Cheers bar? And I'd be like, yeah, I come here, like, probably once every couple of weeks. You know, and they'd be like, yeah, sweet. Let's exchange numbers. I'll, I'll let, hit you up next time I'm here. And then like, you never hear from that person. They add you on all of the socials and you still <laughs> never hear from that person. <laughs> so, you know, just fascinating, right? Yeah. And you can never, again, you just never know what their intentions are. It's like, are you trying to actually be friends? Are you trying to get to know someone? And more often than not, especially here, it's, oh, you live here. Okay. That might prevent you know, more of a casual setting, which is what you see a lot in dating here. So oh, you live here, I can't get around, I, I may see you again, that might be a red flag for some people who are trying to date guys or girls. And also, yeah, I'm going to take a look at all your social media and kind of get an idea of who you are. Because as we all know, insert sarcasm, we're 100% who we are on social media in real life. <laughs> so you get all these preconceived judgments of who somebody is before you even get a chance to get to know them for who they are. And so yeah, you may or may not hear someone based on what they think they found out about you, or what yes. vibe they got from you. Yes, is that why? Okay, tell me, riddle me this, Jill, because <laughs> um, I know that um, girls, women who move from other places, to Vegas, um, anyone that I have followed on Instagram or like become like this pseudo friends with, I have met, and this is like on a number of occasions, at least five different girls who I've met when I met them at bars or socially, um, they would tell me, yeah, I just moved to Vegas too. I'm trying to make friends. And I would like, you know, become friends with them on social media. And then I could like, you know, in the comfort of my own home on a Saturday afternoon after I met them on Friday night, I would see in their social media, like a sudden shift from being a normal person mm -hmm. or who, who their internet self was prior to moving to Vegas to all of a sudden their social media pictures, everything, stories, everything shifted from now I'm a Vegas chick, like everything scantily clad, like upping the selfie game and the, what's, what do you call it, Ashley? The not clickbait, but um, what do girls call it when they put like hot photos of themselves on the internet? Just catfish, thirst trap. Thirst oh, yes, yeah, those two. It's like <laughs> girls like try to become like thirst traps as soon as they move to Vegas, and it's like a total shift in who their internet self is. I saw that change amongst girls, and I was like, "Ooh, am I going to become one of those? Is that just what happens when you move here? I don't know." Let's find <laughs> no, out. it's, it's I, not. I did. <laughs> I know. No, I know. that it's, is a hundred percent a choice. 
yeah, I, I learned that that's what people choose to do. And that's what the people who I was meeting early on in my like life in Vegas, that's the kind of person I was meeting. Those are people who I guess were out to party, I guess a lot more than I was and not so much like make real friends. So I learned that. Yeah. I had to learn it, you know, it wasn't easy to learn, but I quickly had to figure that out. Yeah. There's just this idea of, oh, you live in Vegas. You're this, you know, type of person. I mean, even when I go and visit my family back East, it's yeah, you know, she's from Vegas. And then you have a bajillion questions asked of you. And it's like, no, you know, the entire city is not Las Vegas Boulevard. But I mean, even in high school, like I did cheer, I did dance and you would tell people, oh, you're a dancer and you live in Las Vegas, but you look so young. How do you get paid to do that? And I'm like, no, I'm not a stripper. I'm 14. It's like high school dance team, you know, but there's just this idea of if you live in Vegas, you fit in this particular bubble. And for girls, it's okay. Am I going to adopt that or not? Because if I don't, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to find people of substance, though worth Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But if not, (laughs) you know that there is a group of individuals who you may or may not want to date casually or otherwise that are casting a very wide net. And that wide net is going to have a bajillion Barbies that are going to get pulled up. And so you either follow suit to get a shot with them, which again, not worth it. Or do you, yeah. you know, play a little bit more strategic, you know, like Ollie said, or I always say, you know, fine tune your filter and recognize mm-hmm. those red flags sooner than later, because it's, definitely Vegas, Vegas people versus mm-hmm. normal humans that there are some here, don't get me wrong, but they're harder to find. It's yeah, it's tricky because the group that you're describing as like the, the Vegas, like the party people who might not have the substance or they keep their substance real close and they put up a wall mm-hmm. otherwise. Yes. Um, it's interesting uh, because you're not going to meet the average normal people who have substance, you're not going to meet those people unless you're like searching for them. So, um, the, the people casting a wide net are out there just hunting for likes. So you are going to run into 4,000 of them before you <laughs> yeah. meet someone like Jill. So like, <laughs> or like Holly, <laughs> okay, it's worth it. but like, it's, that's literally what's, what's going on in the social circles there, especially at the bar, the nightlife, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's pretty clear the social media is definitely a, a huge thing out there as again, this, this is like, I feel like it sounds like LA, but just like in honing in on the nightclub scene. Mm-hmm. Um, because LA is obviously very, well, maybe not obvious, but it's very social media centric as well. And like, there's definitely, I mean, I even am guilty of adjusting my social media, like to an extent, like since I've moved here, just because I felt like I didn't fit in with everyone else. But I think in Vegas, there's a whole nightclub aspect. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, if you're going to those clubs, you're going to those bars, like those are the types of people you're going to meet those quote Vegas people. So if you're, if you're looking for that, go there. (laughs) But if you're looking for someone else outside of, you know, you have like, um, the kickball or other groups, Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, how do you find someone? Like, are people using the apps? Is there anywhere else you can go? Is it just through friends of friends or are those the, are those the options? Like, is that what there is to do? It's kind of yes across the board to that. You can find a social activity that 
folks are doing. You can join a, you know, a meetup group. They have those. You can, I do know a lot of folks who use the apps and you tend to find that the ones that you have to pay memberships for tend to be a little bit more serious than the ones that are free apps for dating. Mm -hmm. Um, because especially with those, you could be available online though. You are actually partnered up in real life and that's to see what's coming and going. But Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think like Holly said, a great thing is, you know, you find a rock climbing group or, you know, these sub communities, there's a big cycling group too, bicycle, you know, cycling, and you find those to see at least it's a starting off point of common interests instead of putting your, what's supposed to be the best foot forward for X, Y, or Z situation. Yes. Um, I will say I never joined any dating apps. Didn't have, I didn't use any dating apps at the time that I moved to Vegas. Now, a little bit about my story is that I was not single the whole time I was in Vegas. I had met a boy before I moved to Vegas, didn't take this boy seriously and until I did. And like eight months into me living in Vegas and trying to figure out the dating scene, I got serious, serious, like official with a guy who didn't live in Vegas. So <laughs> it was a long distance relationship. Um, so Needless to say, for that time that I was like out and willing to mingle, um, I was not on any dating app. So I don't know if Jill, you've had any experience on the apps. I've not um, because I am loyal to a fault. And so I will stay in sticky situations far longer than you need to on off on off and, you know, not do much of the looking, if you will, on the off times just waiting for the next on time until you're finally done. But no, I've not done anything app-wise, although one of my really good friends, she met her husband on an app. They're about to celebrate, I think this year's their seventh wedding anniversary. And they're both, it's both of their second marriages, but they're happy as can be. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, you just, you have to look, I mean, a little bit to my story is, you know, I dated someone who worked in the nightclub industry and that was very chaotic at all times because that's a very fast pace environment. And I'd had a high school sweetheart, you know, prior to that. And, you know, I did kind of casually entertain certain individuals in the kickball community, but it's not anything where you thought, Oh, I'm going to really find someone. And then I did actually find my someone in that he was really quiet and shy. And I knew kind of had a thing for me. I'm a little bit older than him, but I thought, Oh gosh, he's too young until I finally got my act together and said, okay, I'm going to give a good guy a shot. Someone who genuinely seems nice and always makes a point to say hi and ask if he can help with stuff if, you know, when I was running a kickball league or something. And sure enough, he's my human and we are going to be getting married. So it's worth, it's Dude! worth it, but yes! <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth <laughs> it. But you know, I had to be ready because he was ready for a year and I just thought, Oh gosh, no, there's no way. And I wanted to waste my time with lots of frogs. And finally I was ready. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm just kind of wondering, maybe I should give this a shot. And I think the second date he said, I'm going to marry you. And I said, yeah, you're probably not wrong. And I mean, (laughs) we didn't get engaged right away, but I mean, he's my person and I found him through kickball, but it was, I mean, there was a grilling session between the both of us when we started with, okay, have you dated everyone in kickball? Because if so, I'm not going to touch you with a 10 foot pole because that's also something else you find there. So, but (gasps) nope, we hadn't dipped in the pool a lot between the two of us. So we were good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I do. Okay. So back to dating apps, a couple of my friends have met through dating apps and then like are in serious, like we are life partners, um, things in Vegas. So, um, although I don't have that experience, I can say just like in any city, you'll find what you're looking for. If you're, if you're getting serious on dating apps and like just 
my personal like relationships with these friends has told me that that's the case. But yeah, within a friend circle, within a, a, a group circle, that is another challenge. Yes. Like if somebody dates in the circle, it sends this ripple through, through the social circle and everyone is affected. Yes. Some, whether it's good or it's not good, it's, someone is affected. So dating yes. is something that is really challenging to navigate because A, you're not easily meeting somebody casually, not anyone you want to take seriously, uh, maybe like a hookup here and there, whatever, but you're not taking those people seriously. You're taking seriously only the people that you've met through a friend or through a social circle. So uh, it's really tricky because if two people are attracted to each other, Everyone in the social circle finds out eventually. Um, and it's kind of like dating if you work together, you know, like, oh, what, at what point do we tell HR that we're dating? <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> yeah. at what point do we tell like the fulcrum of the circle? Like there's a ringleader in the social circle. At what point do we have to both come forward and let that person know and, and <laughs> like try to figure out how the group progresses? because it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And what happens if there's a breakup? You know, how do you navigate that? Does someone leave the group? Mm -hmm. Do you now do things separately because someone doesn't leave the group? Or, you know, has that someone already dated and or been seriously committed to someone else in that same group? And how do you navigate that moving forward? I've got a really good girlfriend of mine who's very seriously dating someone who within their friend circle, his ex-wife is in said circle. And they just figure it out all the time. But like for me, I don't know that I could do that, but to each their own. So it can get tricky. It takes a special like sense of like self-awareness and ability to, to deal with stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And the commitment to like anti-drama, <laughs> anti-drama mantra is like a big part of, of dating within your social circle. Yes. Would you say then... Um, that like within social circles, there's more so actual like dating relationships. And then outside of that would be any like hookup culture just because of all of this, or does it not, not matter? That is a good question. I feel like only, only few people are bold enough to make that like step forward, uh, in dating somebody in their social circle. Um, a lot of people are like, okay, my attraction is not strong enough. I don't want to fuck up the friendships that I have mm -hmm. or the friendships they have. So, you know, like people are very like cognizant and careful about that. But I will say people in my social circles have brought someone in, like dated somebody after being in the social group for a long time. And that person is now integral to the group. Like that's kind of like, yeah, one of the few ways that you get involved in a new social group by, is by dating someone in this social group. And you have to like, there's like a lot of layers to the onion that you have to get through to be accepted by the group Yeah, as a significant other, because being a significant other alone doesn't get you in uh -uh. to the group. Oh, no, no. 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 Wow. No. Uh, people hold their social circles very near and dear to them and there is like it's it's kind of like a a city council of like you know <laughs> gatekeepers you know yes in the social circle uh yeah so i feel like like even if you're an so 
of someone in the group, you might not ever be fully accepted into the group. And that's okay. That's Mm -hmm. definitely an okay thing that like everybody is aware of. Like I still like the couple then has to realize that they have to maintain their own separate social circles Mm -hmm. in order to get that satisfaction of like friendships and make sure that they can balance it out between their romantic relationship and their social circles. Does that make sense? It does. But my face is just because like, I just have never heard of that. Like, normally it's like, even because I feel like even here, it's like, okay, I'm dating this person. Maybe my friends don't like him, but they still like they'll put up with him. Like he's still like, quote, accepted, you know, whether you like him or not, he's here. But it sounds like it's kind of more than that. As long as the dynamic of the relationship is fine, then yeah, you can sit back as a friend and go, well, you know, I don't particularly think that this is like the be all end all person, but you know, she seems to be happy or he seems to be happy. So I'm with it. But if you're sharing that there's hiccups within the relationship, it makes it even that more difficult for someone else to be accepting if they didn't click with the vibe, like with the group. Anyways, like we're going to keep you around, even though you don't really match like the culture of our friend group and you're not a hundred percent like treating one of our own, if you will, perfectly. Mm. If you're not perfect towards her in our presence, like go fuck yourself. We will end you. Like that is we'll that hear- is that is <laughs> a million that percent. is very true to what like the friend circles are in Vegas. And we'll hear what you do when we're not around. And then don't think we won't hold it's that. impossible to drift. There's no drifting between friend circles. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah that's why like that's a big part of how dating can be so tricky there I mean I feel like that's how it should be in general like yes. if, if I think my friend's boyfriend's treating like shit like I, I feel like there's so much red tape of like I don't want to ruin our friendship so like I'm gonna tiptoe around the situation and you know say what I want to say in a PC way and then unless something terrible happens like address it then but like I like how upfront it is like I feel like that should be normalized to be honest like I don't like him. He treats you like shit, like move on. So it's hard because I, I would want to think if I started dating someone and all my friends were like, I don't like him, get out, that I would ideally be like, this isn't going to work. But mm-hmm. I know sometimes it's really hard when you're already so emotionally invested to mm-hmm. yeah. walk away when you're actually in it. But mm-hmm. I feel like most of the times when I find out though, that in my experience, that someone hasn't really like no one's really ever explicitly been like, I hated your boyfriend, but they've been like, I didn't really know if why you were with him. Like, I didn't really think that you guys were vibing, but it wasn't like, no. Um, but I always found out like after we broke up and I was always like, why didn't you just tell me? Like, I kind of was already feeling that way, but it would have validated it and maybe sped things up a bit more <laughs> if I knew my friends didn't like him. So I feel like I kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I would prefer people were more upfront with me. I don't know. I think it is a good a good way. I think what I've taken from living in Vegas is that that's how I'm going to be from now on for all my friends. I'm I'm a loyal friend. I've always I I feel that I've always been a loyal yes. person in general, but didn't always have the confidence to um give advice on dating to my close friends because yeah, there is that aspect of like, well, who am I to say that their connection isn't just wonderful or behind closed doors, like magic happens. And I just don't see it. You know, now I'm like, fuck this guy. I see who he is. And if he shows himself to me like that, he's not worth your time. You know, like that's, that's the Vegas in me coming out. Like, 
I may hold my opinion until I'm asked, though I may kind of make note of certain things that I notice and just kind of go in with an open mind, try to assume positive intent and, okay, maybe I took something a little bit more seriously than that person intended. Then you get to know him and, oh, this is just a really sarcastic person. He's not really a dick. Like this is just his humor and you have to get to know it. That's the other thing too is with dating, whether you're the person looking to date someone or you're, if, if you're looking or if someone's pursuing you, there's also a very big difference between being ready to date and not. And timing is a huge thing too, because yeah, you may come in and out of lives of someone who is perfect or not perfect, but you're not at that right time with each other. Or, you know, you want to still get some stuff out of your system, or you're just not ready to recognize, you have some personal growing of your own that you need to do before you recognize that someone is or is not the right one for you. So that's a huge part of it too. And sometimes your girlfriends can help you with that and say, you know, well, if you're happy, I support you. I love you. But if he does anything to make me see otherwise, I will tell you exactly how I feel. Or you can offer it right from the beginning. Like, don't waste your time. Trust me when I tell you, don't waste your time with this one. You're worth more than what that can offer. And that's okay. I've a hundred percent had my like girlfriend group, if you will, they're not kickballers, but like my girlfriend, girlfriend group where I've brought someone around. They're like, Jill, you're being dumb. He's no, he's, we don't ever expect to see him again because we figured that will fizzle out before the next time we see you. And they'll, they'll tell me and I appreciate the honesty, but they can also tell when it's different too. And it's the same way. I mean, you know, you bring someone in from the outside and yes, they have to be approved by your friend group. Because <laughs> yep. there's something to be said. If your friends don't like this person, what's really going on? Because your friends, yeah. for the most part, know you for everything that you are, your vulnerable parts, your good parts, your bad parts. So if they can see that it's not a match, I think it's okay to lend an ear to why they think that's the case. Mm-hmm. They've 100% got your back. And I, mm-hmm. I have thoroughly realized how important that is. Post living in Vegas, I'm like, yeah, that shit runs deep. I'm not going to find that sort of commitment and loyalty just anywhere besides, you know, that friends group that I have in Vegas. Like it's so wonderful and so unique, but like outside of like your friend circle or your, your social communities, um, the city of Vegas doesn't have just like a lively community vibe. It's the kind of city where you really don't, you, you not only don't really know your next door neighbors, you never see what their faces look like. You never make eye contact with them because mm-hmm. you will never cross paths, literally, even if you live four doors away or, you know, four feet away in an apartment complex. I literally never met any of my neighbors when I lived there. So the need to be in a social circle was so much more imperative, I feel. Why is that? Again, people are pretty protective because Vegas is. Is so it's such an unpredictable mix of humans. There's there's such a and I the term melting pot is a, just a silly word to use, but it's full of transplants and transient transplants. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people in Vegas move there with a two year plan. Yeah, and some people decide that oh this is my home now. I'm here forever. I'm gonna you know plant roots here, but um, a lot of people stick to that two year plan. So. There's really, you know, a tricky situation to navigate whether or not you're going to like be able to trust those neighbors or those people around you because you have no idea where they come from, how, how they came to be, and people just aren't willing to open up in that way, you know? It's 100% a trust thing. 
It's a hundred percent a trust thing. And that can make dating difficult too, because you might think you're in a good thing, but you're always wondering, okay, when's that other shoe going to drop? But I mean, yeah, growing up as a little kid, I was always taught, you know, smile at the person you're passing by. But as an adult now, and I do that just out of habit, people look at you like you're weird. Like, why are you smiling at me? Or worse, you've got your mask on and now it looks like you're glaring because you are smiling, but all you can see is my eyes. And so even more reason to keep your distance because I'm telling you with my face, I'm glaring, keep your distance. I don't trust you. You don't need to trust me, but it's very much a trust thing. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Is it because you're like, I don't know if you're going to be here and then gone? Is it part of it, the nightclub industry and just, you know, some of that those types of personalities going to stereotype a little bit? Like, what is it? Every, both of those things? It's yeah, it's all of the above. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know what someone's motives are to want to get to know you. They may not know what yours are. You know, very seldom can two individuals be very upfront about what their intentions are moving forward. And there are, you know, the groups of individuals that say, I'm only in town for the weekend. I want something casual. Yep. Maybe if, if we happen to both be in Vegas at the same time in the future, cool. If not, you know, whatever. Or a casual hookup buddy who does live here and you live here and both be on board with that until that shoe drops of, ooh, someone's starting to catch feelings. Well, the other one will say, I told you what I wanted. And so you can never 100% know for a fact what someone wants, even if they tell you. Even if they tell you. <laughs> even if they tell you. Because a lot of times they're telling you what they want to hear for their end goal. And then mm-hmm. once they have that, it's kind of a crapshoot of do you hear from them again or not? Or do they change completely who they are to you? And then you have to make the decision, do I still be their friend or can they kick rocks? Yeah. Are, are, is their behavior matching their words is mm-hmm. like a big, a big thing. Um, and seeing the, dich- the dichotomy between the two can be very heartbreaking. Yeah. You don't know what someone's intentions are, even if they tell you. Yeah. Um, people are really desensitized to seeing tourists everywhere mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The people that are friendly to you and want to make conversation with you are like if you're out and about, want to like, you know, dive deep in, in like asking you things, just like having casual conversation are either people who are in the service industry and you can't expect anything out of them because they're just doing their job and tourists. Tourists want to know everything about the Vegas local. It's like we're exotic animals that, you know, to the tourists, <laughs> yes. you know, as a local, you become desensitized to people like to your face, like doing this for their own entertainment or for their own profit, their own career. Like they're, they're pleasing you or, oh, that's a terrible word to use. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're giving you a lot more attention for tips. They're feeding you lip service. Yeah. For, for an end goal. And, um, people, locals become desensitized to that. Um, so it's, it's pretty tricky. And when you meet a guy at the bar and you're like, showing genuine interest in them you could show them like all that you are and and all that is wonderful about you um until you're blue in the face and they will just like not see it for what it truly is because they're like uh this girl seemed really interested in me in me i'm not even sure if she's a real person or if she's a prostitute because that's a legit concern people are like she's really into that guy and he wasn't that good looking and my friend would be like, cough, cough, she's a prostitute, duh. I'm like, oh, 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 I see. Uh. 
Holly, is this why you tried to get me not to talk to the bartender at that club that one time? <laughs> no, I didn't think he was a prostitute. I, I straight up did not think he was good looking. And I was <laughs> three sheets to the wind and had no inhibition. So <laughs> I know I'm joking. <laughs> There's another trap too, though, on the on the other side of that coin, though, is that, you know, it may not be someone in the service industry. It may not, although they're smooth talkers. Because mm-hmm. they get a lot of practice at doing the talking. And again, it's that wide net. Oh, you weren't engaged in this conversation? Well, I'm going to go talk to that person. And in settings where there's alcohol, the farther mm-hmm. into the alcohol intake, the more interesting that conversation seems. But mm-hmm. even outside of that, you find groups of individuals who just get really, really good at telling you what appeals to you to get what they want from you. And by that, I mean, I know a handful of individuals who meet someone who seems genuine and they're going to tell you all about their kids and how great of a parent they are. And, oh, aren't Mm. I so sensitive? And then, oh, next thing you know, you're telling me everything about you. I'll feed off of that. Something happens. Oh, just kidding. Not really into anything. But that was my in of, oh, look how great of a parent I am. Or, oh, I'm so great at my job. You know, you seem to be really career oriented. Let me tell you about my accomplishments. That's great. You get that as a starting off point. Then you get to whatever the end goal is. A lot of time that being sex here, which is fine if it's casual, but if it's not and feelings start to happen, well, got from you what I wanted and that's it. But people, both men and women are really good at kind of gauging what someone's triggers might be of what's going to peak interest and totally Mm -hmm. playing off of that, whether it's genuine or not. And there's always that third option of what if they're a super awesome human, but mm, married. Yeah. He just took off his wedding ring for the night. He just yeah. took off his wedding ring for the night. Uh, yep. That's, that's yep. happened to me in Vegas before with a tourist, but I feel like that's the vibe sometimes. And it's instant. Everything that you could want here is instant, especially if you're visiting. Anything you want to get your hands on, see or do, you can do. You just have to know who to ask and sometimes lower your expectations or your, your standards to get it, but you can get it if you want it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You lower your bar and you know, it's not difficult to go through a vacation of night after night after night. And I've had friends that I've gone out with, they wanted to go clubbing. We're locals. They would meet out of town people who wanted to then go back out and you know, go back to their suite or whatever and party. And my friends wanted to go and I was like, nope, peace out. I'm going home, but you can you can find people to come back to your room. You can find people to continue to go out and party with. You can find people to pretty much do whatever you'd like to do. And because of that, it's even more difficult when you are looking for something of substance because the other person may not be. Yeah, that's that's all interesting too because um, most of the times I've been to Vegas, I've only like ran into tourists like pre-COVID because it's all mm-hmm. been like bachelor party, bachelorette, right. just people on vacation. But then the most recent time I went to Vegas, actually with Holly um, uh-huh. and her boyfriends and another friend. And the strip was like pretty much dead for the most part, shut down. So we ended up going to Fremont Street, which is, you know, more of like the local and quote area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was mm-hmm. also like a new club that had opened up over there. And almost everyone we met there was also locals. And it was like a totally different vibe, more relaxed. Um, but then we met, so- I met someone there, worked in the hospitality industry ended up like coming out with my friends all night, like taking us to all these bars, went to some like techno after hours. And then like, he just left. So then I stayed there, met some other guys. (laughs) And then also I was like, I'm not going home with you. But then they got my number and like, called, like started calling me even when I got back to LA about how they wanted to like keep in touch and like, 
see me in LA, which I thought was like strange because mm-hmm. I was like, one, this is like six hour drive away. I know it's a, ch- a quick flight, but like, that's still really far. Like I don't even drive two hours in LA to see someone. Mm-hmm. And also like there's people in Vegas. I mean, it sounds like the pool is still very difficult, but I always thought that was kind of strange. And it sounds like my intuition was maybe correct. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So that's my only experience with with locals like out in in a night but well and you mentioned bachelor and bachelorette parties those are some of the most entertaining things to see in the world because i've been out with with a friend who was engaged and right she had on the whole sash and every guy that we passed tried to buy her a drink because they were going to convince her that she didn't need to settle down and it's i don't know it's like this game i don't know if people go out thinking oh i'm going to I don't know what it is, but it's wild to think that, oh, we're going to change, you know, the bachelor's mind. Oh, we're going to change the bachelorette's mind. No, you're probably not. But it's like this game of... Vegas gives you that, like... It's wild. Feel that luxurious feeling of, like, invincibleness. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, the, the strip has that energy. Like, I become, like, five inches taller when I walk <laughs> down the strip. Like, I... You know, everyone feels like their best self when they go down the Mind you, like pre-hangover, like <laughs> dressed up, like you just yeah. get that energy and Vegas feeds you that energy. And I, mm-hmm. so I think that there, it just perpetuates that, that culture of like, um, wanting to do whatever they can do to have the best story or have the best story to not go home with because you know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas ha 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 which so does not stay in Vegas doesn't it, doesn't. it, it ruins marriages is what it does it ruins like. marriages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well it's just it's funny to me too because like that's how they've marketed the city like they've mm-hmm. marketed oh, yeah. it to be like you're whoever you want to be do whatever you want like no one will find out and that's what why everyone's like attracted to going there like I mean obviously there's like the clubs club after club like casino after casino and Uh, all the shows like that's there too so in theory you could do that if you wanted to and they market it that way but then what's also ironic to me is they have atlantic city across the country in jersey which they try to do the same thing and it was just a (laughs) flop it doesn't work no well and by doing that here you know what happens in vegas stays in vegas you can be whoever you want to be it's complete lack of consideration for the locals because that's basically like saying they're going to come in they're going to do what they want and you guys are left to clean it up to deal with that to do this Mm -hmm. and it's it's very much telling to obviously where the city's focus is which is i mean that's you know where they try to drive the economy from but it gives no consideration to us that are still here that have actual feelings that you know do want to have space you know to sit at a bar with friends and not be pushed out for whatever tourists are coming. It's just, it's so weird. And it's such a weird energy. Yeah, you feel amazing. But sometimes as a local, you feel completely discounted because we're not what the city cares about. Yeah, this, the local government uses all of that energy to appease the tourists and to keep them coming back. Uh, and then it kind of shits on the locals. So you don't percent. have a whole lot of support from the locals or the government. Uh, because they don't they don't trust their city officials. Time and again, the city just kind of leaves the rest of the city to its own devices and puts all of its funding, effort, time, energy um, to the strip. So the locals are kind of like 
fuck that. Like Mm -hmm. we avoid the strip at all costs. We do at all costs, unless you absolutely have to go. And at that point I need to know what's the driving situation. Who do you expect to park? Can we get an Uber? What are the peak hours going to be? Because it's such an ordeal. And at the end of the day, you have to still go home and be a normal functioning human the next day, be it an Mm -hmm. employee, a, a partner, a parent, what have you you know, mm-hmm. regardless of what the backlash of the night before was. Yeah. I'm sure when you first move there, there's appeal for like, you know, a few weeks. And then mm-hmm. after that, you're just like, okay, I'm kind of tired and done. <laughs> it takes a lot of energy. It really, yeah. You get very tired of it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. stayed out all night to see Steve Aoki on a weeknight one time. And that was it for me. I am mm-hmm. <laughs> not stepping foot into a club ever. Well, I mean, I have mm-hmm. since then, obviously, but, but dude, that's all it took. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shit show to get in. It's a shit show to get out and get home and, ugh. and then whether you had it on or not, there's glitter for days that you will find <laughs> in all your crevices. So yep. there's yep. that too. <laughs> you can't get rid of it. <laughs> you can't get rid of it. and if it's steve aoki i'm sure you're gonna find like frosting from a birthday cake in some crevice somewhere (laughs) for weeks for weeks how does it stick so well yeah (laughs) they put glue in it i swear (laughs) yeah i'm sure in the dating scene though that does give like a lot of options because this city outside of the strip is a wonderful city it is a wonderful city it's a cute place to have lots of great date nights. And then if you want to do something touristy and adorable, you've got the strip right in the center of the city. Um, so a lot of cute date options there uh, for those who are, you know, blossoming in love, yes. if you will. <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> it can be done. It can be done. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's like one of your worst dates? Mine was just one that it was just one of those where... It was a guy who you think you have at least enough in common with that you can sit down and have a drink with someone and there be enough conversation. And immediately the conversation was how much of a daredevil he is. And isn't it so cool that I can go snowboarding without my helmet on? And oh my gosh, I want to go skydiving, but I you know, want to make sure on my first time that I don't have someone tandem to me. And I'm like, I don't oh, even know Jesus. if you can do that. Like just, <laughs> and I was so not impressed by it. And then also, and I would say, you know, but do you expect to live a very long life? Like wanting to drive at stupid speeds without your seatbelt. And do you, you know, do you want to have a family? Just any of that, like even trying to be sarcastic. Cause at that point I was checked out and he just didn't right. get it and thought that he was the shit and was so cool. And I was like, yeah, okay. But that was it. It was just cause a complete lack of anything in common going into it thinking at least there was enough that we could talk about stuff. And oh, I wish there was not as much to talk about. It was bad. Do you guys there like um, flex a lot? Like it sounded like he was just trying to flex. I call it peacocking. Absolutely. They 100% think whatever their cool thing is, they're going to utilize that. And it's really funny. I mean, I'm petite. I'm only four foot 11. But it's really funny to see some of the shorter guys do it because you already know they have that uphill like battled up there. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like... I'm short. You don't even have to give that to me. Like you don't have to, we're good. You don't have to peacock because all it is is little dick energy. And then I'm completely turned off Yeah, because (laughs) you know, I just, and I'm very honest about it. I mean, I'm raised by an East coast family. So I'm a little bit more blunt about things, not necessarily with strangers right off the bat, but don't take a lot of bullshit. So if you're coming off as very either passive 
because I'm, I'm strong willed or just, I think I'm the shit and really you're not, I'm going to tell you that you're not and be done with the conversation. I'm sure they yeah. love that too. And I don't care <laughs> if they do or don't because, because of, yeah, easier to weed out the bad ones that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure. It is fun to meet like random guys who are like refreshingly fun because you all too often meet the guys who are like trying to impress and I'm like, ugh, you're wearing like freaking toms on your feet. Like that's fine, but like you're in a you're in a nice bar or like what are you what are you putting forth like this you're trying to show everybody up, but you clearly don't have any material. You don't have like the substance behind it. But it is genuinely refreshing to meet like random people at the bar, whether you connect, become friends or not. It's it's very refreshing because it's rare when you meet somebody fun at a bar. Um, Ashley and I were at a pool when we were in Vegas last and um, I approached a guy who had the most ridiculous Hawaiian shirt on <laughs> because, okay, so he was like not super tall, not like the dapper good looking kind of guy but i could tell from across the the whole place <laughs> that that guy was there to have the best time and he was yes. just like adorable and humble and i walked right up to him past all of his friends who were checking out ashley and trying to make moves on ashley i walked past <laughs> all of his friends and i unbuttoned his shirt and he just gave me the best dance ever and i was like yes yes Y'all suck. I looked back at his friends. I was like, you guys just don't have this going on. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, that's so sweet of you. And then he like, like owned it. He danced with his shirt unbuttoned for the remainder of the evening. And after I approached him, several other girls walked up to him and they mm-hmm. tapped that sweet belly of his. And it was just <laughs> like, it just like made his day. And it made mine too, because it was just refreshing to meet a random person who was just genuinely had no agenda and yes. uh, no bit of like bullshit about him. I loved it. Loved it. Didn't take himself too seriously. I no. Love it. Yeah. Good. I love that. And and what's funny too is so him and his friends, they were all staying in our hotel randomly. And they were like, uh, we got like one of their numbers and they were like, meet us downstairs at like nine or whenever. And so I went downstairs to meet them while they were gambling and he still was there, same shirt on yes. like vibing. That's awesome. Like yes. hours later, hours later, best. like owning it. Like I, That's oh awesome. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, you're not going to do it in Vegas. Where can you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Anything goes in that city, really. Yeah, I did take a video of him dancing. So that did definitely did not stay in Vegas. That was exactly (laughs) a million percent. Thank you for taking a video of that. I'm going to need I'm going to need a copy of that. (laughs) I will send it. Oh, my God. But yeah, Vegas is uh, very unique and very weird. Very in, weird. In the, dating, in the dating world. Yeah. And um, another interesting part, and, and I'm not going to like go into too much detail about this because Ashley, you did have an entire episode about people in the industry. In any city, there is an, you know, a like fair 
proportion of people who are in your same age group. Now, cut that in half. If you're a young professional who's not in the industry, cut that, that option, that numbers game in half. Mm -hmm. Like the people who are your age and able to date are only people who work like, you know, a nine to five. And, and if you're in, if you're not in the industry, you can't date anyone in the industry. And that's half the people your age in the yeah. city of Las Vegas. It's wild yeah. how many people work in and around the strip for the industry. It's so true. And you, if you try it and Lord help you if you try it, but <laughs> you have to change, you have to change mm -hmm. your schedule to accommodate theirs because theirs is the driving force in the city. And so you, you know, will change your hours, even though you have a totally different schedule. Not that everyone does. I'm not saying you will, but that's what I did. And, you know, not a good thing of my own to have done, but it's exhausting because mm -hmm. that is such a quick, fast paced industry that it's, it's really difficult to keep up with if you're not in it. And I think that if any, if nothing else is what make sure that those relationships don't last, especially because at least the females, because I've had a handful of friends uh, that are girls who work in that industry say that they're almost encouraged to stay single because even if they are in relationships, they have to always appear available when they're on duty, you know, be a uh, bartender, a hostess, um, mm -hmm. you know, a, a, anything, they have to appear available because that's what's going to keep people and bring them back. And so you have to have a very specific type of partner to be dating someone who has to always appear like you're not their partner. Yeah. I was going to say, I'd probably be paranoid in that in Vegas, especially about like, they're always going to have to be flirting. There might be mm -hmm. tourists hitting on them. And like, what if something happens? Sure. Um, especially if I'm not working there with them or in the same hours and know that we're coming home at the mm -hmm. same time. Right. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of them going out after hours too. Oh yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I can imagine it's difficult. There's like gotta be a, a big like trust challenge there if you're mm -hmm. if you're dating somebody who works in the industry and you are not. Um, yeah, you have to be very confident in your relationship um, in order to like not get jealous, like uh, because there are literally like the grossest old men trying to feel your girl's butt like any chance mm -hmm. they get, you know, and think that they can because they're paying enough to do it. Because they're on the strip with the strip giving them all the fucking liquid courage possible to do so, you know? Ugh. It's, yeah, that's a little gross. Um, but it's a thing. It's, it's just a fact of the matter that that's, that exists. And on Ooh. both sides. I have a friend who doesn't work in the industry, but was out at a club Halloween time. And he was dressed as the naked cowboy. So he's wearing a cowboy hat and some tidy whities and some cowboy boots. And some girl thought that she could just walk right up to him and grab his junk because she could and oh. you know but she expects that like guys are going to do that to her so why can't she do that to guys and it just is like baffling because mm -hmm. that's insane you can't just do that and yeah you can't have some older guy grabbing on your girlfriend's butt and you can't have your guy like you just you, mm -mm. there's boundaries and those are significantly lacking in the city that's that's assault <laughs> mm -hmm. no it legitimately yep. is yeah yes. yeah so hence why locals don't really find themselves on the strip. Nope. <laughs> Unless we absolutely have to. <laughs> Unless we have to be. Uh, yeah. What's crazy is I don't even think, like, I don't think people in the industry are as like, what's the word? Like promiscuous as people might think they are. To be honest, I don't think 
people who work on the strip, I don't think they ever hook up with tourists, to be honest. And those are like the hotties on the stage. I, Jill, maybe you. Some of the guys do. Some of the guys do, I think. Oh, I'm thinking think girls. I, like I would guess the girls don't as much. They don't mm-hmm. talk to anyone that they met on shift in general. Most girls. Yeah. I don't know. I think there might be that divide, right? Because in the industry, you have to audition and you're being hired as a model so that they can tell mm-hmm. you if you're being, if you're getting fat, if you can't cut your hair, if you can't dye your hair, you need permission to get a new tattoo during the season. And so I think because they're hired as a body, sometimes mm-hmm. they forget that they're a person and they just decide, do I want to use my body or do I not want to use my body? And I mm-hmm. think that they forget that they should be someone on the inside as well. I can't speak to like a lot of them. I've had a small, you know, spattering of individuals that I've known as friends or otherwise, and they're not geared to remember that they're human. So I could see them very easily just passing themselves around. Yeah. That's terrible. To tourists or to other people in the industry? Because I feel like that pool. Yes and yes. Sleeps. With each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like a a cesspool of. Yes. Yeah. Within the industry. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you've got what you would are being hired as a specific look, right? And everyone's, you know, moderately or more attractive. They're hired to have to be in a particular type of shape and it's just a green light or not. And, you know, falling back to kickball, sometimes that's what the issue is too, is you've got a group of fairly outgoing individuals doing a semi-active sport. You already find that you've got some things in common and sometimes that turns into a whole cesspool as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let the drama <laughs> ensue. Yeah. A million percent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the dating pool just being so small and then having all those intricacies would just be like, I just can't even imagine like navigating all of that, like with the nightclub scene and then the tourists and the transient transplants and then the social circles. I would be like, I just am not, I give up. Because even with dating apps, like I was talking to someone in Scottsdale who even said like on dating apps, like it's all either tourists or people aren't even on the apps because she was like, they don't need to be because they could just go to a bar and meet a tourist for, you know, a night. Um, So I feel like all of that is probably similar there too and difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, Jill, congrats that you found your person (laughs) through all of that, honestly. I had to get out of my own way to do it though, because I was stubborn. And with that very protective girl tribe that I have and how, you know, accepting you have to be in there, you know, it's the right one for a lot of different reasons. Don't get me wrong. But when we went wedding dress shopping, there were 10 females in the room, including my mom, his mom, and his, our daughter, all 10 of us, including my girlfriends were crying. So I knew. That was the dress. He's the one. It was worth it. Aww. But holy shit, did it take a lot of freaking frogs and a lot of freaking heartbreak. And yeah. Well, but. I'm glad that there's a success story to show that <laughs> yes. it can be found. It can it be done. Found. It's yes. not all you can tears, hold out. So. <laughs> there, yeah. there is a light yeah. at the end of that tunnel. It's yeah. a, it may be a long tunnel, but. Which is, <laughs> mine was a really long tunnel. I did not settle and have my starter marriage. We didn't do that. So. Okay, so we talked about a lot of topics today, um, focused on Vegas, how you make friends and the dynamics of friendship circles and how important those are to keep sacred, as well as getting your partner vetted in that group. Um, And even if they don't pass the test, you can still maintain um, that relationship, but just a little bit of a different dynamic there. Um, How social media is used, 
um, the concept of dating apps, the different types of relationship, hookup culture, ghosting, and differences between tourists and even some local dynamics, um, even off the strip and on the strip. And I'm sure there's other things I'm not mentioning, but we definitely talk, covered a lot. Um, so yeah, so thanks, Jill and Holly, again, for joining me. Yay. Thanks so thank much you. for having us. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Awesome. All right, see you all next week. I'd like to thank everyone that's helped make this podcast possible, specifically Kayla McNulty that helped create the podcast, Laura Williamson, Ray Zaragoza, The Kid Inside, Ellie Bernstein, Maggie DeBaradine, and Lindsay Weiner that all helped contribute in some sort of way. You can find us on Instagram at swipeyswipewest. Send us a DM with any questions, comments, suggestions. Thank you all again for listening. Have a great rest of your week.